0: You're listening to a podcast from Meaning of Life TV. Jane Clar Jones, good to see you.
1: Hello, how are you? It's good to be here.
0: Uh, I'm very well. And uh, so I want to welcome everyone in the uh, Sophia audience, meaningoflife.tv, bloggingheads.tv, available on both uh, video, streaming video, and audio podcasts. I am very pleased today to uh, be talking with uh, Dr. Jane Clare-Jones from the UK, uh, and uh, how we know each other will probably come out during the dialogue, um, but suffice it to say that I've I've met Jane online in the ongoing discussion uh, centering around gender self-identification the intersection between the, – or the interaction between uh, gender identity activists, trans activists, and uh, what I'm going to call traditional feminists because I, I – I, <laughs> I, maybe we'll talk about that also. I, they're now called – we're, we're okay with that. They're now called radical feminists. To my mind, they just strike me as just feminists, and I'm not sure at all what the new version is supposed to be, and hopefully Jane will help us. But Jane, I, I'd like you perhaps maybe to do a little bio on yourself so people can know who you are and so that I don't uh, get any of it wrong or mess it up. Uh,
1: okay. So, hi. Um, I'm an academically trained philosopher. Um, I'm trained in uh, principally in continental philosophy and continental feminism, and I have a PhD from the State University of New York at Stony Brook. Um, I practice philosophy, but no longer strictly within an academic context. So I write popular philosophy and I also write journalism with a kind of philosophical uh, edge to it. And uh, I'm also, uh, I write long form pieces, mostly on my own blog, but I'm also looking at writing books and that type of thing. So I'm interested in... I'm interested in basically, uh, using philosophical discourse in order to engage with popular cultural and political issues in a way that's accessible to, you know, kind of thinking people but, 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 but not specialists basically. So I'm interested in kind of using which is kind of what I think philosophy should do. I mean, it's kind of to go back to the origins of the origins of our own tradition. Like, you know, we're supposed to stand in the agora and like ask people questions, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. difficult, yeah. difficult, quest- difficult yeah. questions yeah. and like interrogate public discourse. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I write on my blog. Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter at the moment, engaged in this particular conflict. I'm, um, I'm hoping to write longer form books, um, which, I'm, which are, I have some projects in the pipeline. Um, and I also run. Uh, I founded and run a, a online feminist school teaching teaching traditional feminism.
0: A feminist mm-hmm. institute.
1: Yeah, it's called the Institute of Feminist Thought,
0: which people can will be able to. In the link section, there'll be a link to all of Jane's stuff, and there's actually a link to the institute from your webpage, right? So right. And so what's you all about? Well,
1: basically, during the last couple of years, um, particularly the last year or so, part, I mean, largely as a result of this this conflict, I started getting a lot of emails from women saying, firstly, what is going on with feminism? Like, why is why does this younger generation of 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 women, particularly, but also young men, not seem to understand the principles of feminism as we understood them when we were growing up? Um, and kind of becoming aware of the fact that uh, I think something that they considered to be a kind of uh, consensus about what feminism was had been kind of eroded and the, and the the people in positions of power also in various uh, civic institutions were now advocating a form of feminism that they didn't recognize. So I, I started getting, and also emails from women in universities saying, I can't get taught feminism here anymore. Like there's queer theory and like, various iterations of the discourse in its slightly more academic, but actually not substantially more academic forms than the forms we encounter it in public space. Um, But there's no, I'm not being taught feminism. People in gender studies departments are not being taught feminism. There are very few feminists left in gender studies departments. Um, Women who are doing work uh, on kind of more classical feminist themes, things to do with male violence, sexual violence, those types of things don't have anywhere to go and yeah. they're not being given the analytical tools that they need. All university feminist societies have been taken over, really. There's very little space. So basically I was getting quite a lot of emails from women being like, we want some kind of space in which we can learn, uh either re-engage with or learn this tradition. Um and I started to feel very strongly that essentially the academy had abandoned its role as the custodian of, of feminist thought. Yeah. Um, so I decided I went out on Twitter one day and was like, "Hey, would people be interested if I if I started teaching?" And about a hundred people
0: were like, "Yes." So, so I is this sp- virtual? Or are you doing? Are you actually having meetings in? Are you are you going into public spaces? And no, 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 no. We do it. We,
1: it's all online. Rooms. It's all it's all uh, online. It's all online, okay. so we do vir- we do virtual seminars. Yeah, okay. so they have re- so they have reading, they have reading material, and yeah. I mean, well, I'm doing it kind of old school. They have reading and reading questions, and then they do the reading, and then we meet and we discuss. Right. So I'm I'm developing a a certificate at the moment. I've done an introduction course. I have over like two hundred or about about two hundred people waiting to do the introduction course.
0: Well, that seems I, pretty. That, that seems like a pretty healthy enrollment. I mean, for something like this, I mean,
1: for for, for, for something new like this, I'm yeah, I'm really yeah, pleased. I'd be pleased with
0: you. that. So let me just ask. So is this is this mostly in the UK? Or so when you say that you can't learn feminine, traditional feminism anymore in schools, is this a UK thing? The reason I'm asking is because so for example, we have a feminist philosophy class, right? I would say it's eighty percent traditional. I would right. say you know it's Betty Friedan and it's um, uh, 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 Nell Noddings and it's uh, Carol Gilligan and it's all this sort of you know um, uh, pretty traditional stuff. I wouldn't say that there's no more modern gender stuff in it, but but I don't know whether we're idiosyncratic in that way. Certainly when I was in in college, but that's already the '80s. Um, if you took it, it would be relatively traditional. Is it, is the I mean,
1: no, that was, that was, that was certainly the case. I mean, there is very little, I mean...
0: You won't read like, Cal, Carol Gilligan anymore if you take a feminist class, a course in feminism in the UK. You won't read Betty Friedan anymore. You won't read... Not if you,
1: not if you, I mean, I think there's a slight difference is that you have, I mean, this is what I was saying about, about my career. There is relatively little feminist philosophy taught in the UK. So, um, in gender studies, You, I would be extremely surprised. It's possible in feminist philosophy you would still get that stuff. And I have a friend that teaches a a critical theory course, and she still does a a bunch of second-wave stuff in that. So there are a few pockets of places where you'll get it. My sense in the UK is that you will not get it in gender studies. You might get it in philosophy or in critical theory or in some other theoretical traditions, where there is still possibly a little more um, plurality going on than there is inside gender studies. I have friends who have done gender studies MAs recently, and there is no feminism.
0: There, so do you there not, is, do you not have women's studies? We, we have women's studies.
1: And women's studies doesn't really exist in the UK anymore. It's now gender studies. Okay. And you, I mean, your women's studies courses are, are being
0: progressively yeah, they're being they're being changed. Yes, they're being, that, they're
1: being progressively changed. Yeah, the
0: woman who teaches our feminist philosophy class, you know, is a nearly sixty year old lesbian. So I mean, she's she's teaching. I mean, for all I know, if we hired a young new person, yeah, if, a if, 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 exactly.
1: A sixty year old lesbian will teach that stuff. I would still teach that stuff, right? I would still teach Carol Gilligan and yeah. like care ethics and standpoint epistemology and yeah. like you know, the sexual contract and that stuff because I, I I I still believe that you go through the tradition. Even if gender studies wants to include or wants to even center like the later third wave and queer perspectives, they are still intellectually kind of um they still have an intellectual duty, I think, to teach the bits of the tradition that came before that. Like I'm really not sure what happens when you just start with queer theory. Yeah.
0: Like
1: some, something in which there is actually no a real analysis of the structure of Patriarch, which We think is not accidental. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes. I mean, in so far as there's been something, I mean, if, if you, if you hired a young feminist philosopher now, I think it would be a little bit of a crapshoot. It would about be a totally would different get, class. That would what, be. what, what, what you would get. Yeah. I'm, yeah. um, and like I say, in England, we, we, we tend to... I mean, a lot, of, a lot of philosophy departments in England don't have a feminist philosopher in them. Like, feminist philosophy is an extremely marginalized form of philosophy in the UK, even more so than it is in the States. In most philosophy programs in the States, you'll at least have one feminist philosopher.
0: Yeah. Um, I, re- I, remember, I remember being in the 80s, actually thinking it was kind of a shame, even then, that it was bracketed off that way and, and the reason is because you know when we read Gilligan's in a different voice, it struck me as being one of the more significant, if not the most significant, um, critiques of you know uh, a certain kind of uh, certainly Kantian, or yeah, I agree. Even in other words, I didn't ever understood why it was sort of being bracketed off into a into an a feminist. I mean, I always all the women philosophers I always read were very much integrated into the into the into the, the the narrative right I mean so I mean I was reading Philip afoot another sort of really important uh, critique of sort of the Kantian approach to ethics I was reading Mary Midgley I was reading you know I never really quite understood I always thought it was kind of unfortunate that it got segregated off into this feminist kind of corner when it struck me as belonging within the main tradition and it was certainly taught to me. Within the context of the main tradition, um, I, I, I
1: really, I really agree with you. And, I mean, and it's a very similar thing as the problem with like, I think siphoning off black feminism within, within feminism. Um, because then you're like, oh well, you have a special, you know, you have a specialized interest in this particular thing and then somehow the critique that that particular section is forwarding doesn't get integrated into the main tradition. I think, I mean, I've always studied I studied feminist philosophy because I think feminist philosophy basically provides the most compelling um, critique of the assumptions of subjectivity, which have structured like Western culture, basically, like in terms of the way in which pr- we prioritize identity over relation, the way in which we prioritize temporality over, it's 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 actually a very profound ontological project. Um, that feminist philosophy is, is undertaking. It's not only, and also it's not only done in feminist philosophy. Feminist philosophy is one of the places that best articulates that kind of critique, but yeah. you find it in other places. It also turns up in, in um, like the thinking of like black aesthetics. It turns up actually in like Eastern metaphysics. It turns up in a bunch of different places. Yeah. Um, and it is, I agree with you, it is unfortunate that it gets siphoned because then essentially it gets ignored
0: by everyone. It gets, it gets sort of getaway. It gets, it gets, it gets, abortion it gets. Abortion it gets. Is a feminist issue, right? For sure. Has to be. And yet Judith Jarvis Thompson is not a feminist philosopher in the sense that. Right. I mean, a defense of abortion, I read in every single intro to ethics course that I teach. Right. Exactly. That's one of the top, you know, and so, I wonder, you know, there's probably a plus side and a minus side to it. The minus side being that you do get kind of ghettoized and you get put into a sort of an area studies category Mm -hmm. that that then pulls the literature out of the mainstream, which strikes me as a mistake, right? I think, I
1: think, I think that's, I mean, I think that's right in a lot of respects. I think one of the issues is, is that one of the things that's difficult is because I think there is, if we understand that there's this distinction between process relational thinking and kind of more sort of identity thinking, which is one of the things I'm most interested in.
0: Could you problem- describe that? Because I'm not sure everybody will know what that means. And okay, I, it's quite, it's I quite, it's, use a little teaching on it too, since I'm from an analytic tradition. So okay, basically- so
1: so so care ethics is a good example of this, right? And I, it's probably a, a, the easier way to explain it within an analytic uh, when we when we're speaking across across yeah. tradition, right? So if you think about the care ethics critique of a liberal subject. Right. That's one very good example of something that I would say is a, is, is a more fundamental aspect of feminist metaphysics. So
0: rejecting the idea of the sort of the topic neutral individual sort of. Well, is, well
1: you, when you have a default human yeah. who is who
0: who is um, actually male. Who is in fact masculine. Who's, who's,
1: right. who's in fact masculine. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. And then there's a whole load of ontological assumptions about the nature of being human. Yeah. that are imported into that default human right. that are actually um, not ontologically neutral at all, right? So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why care ethics is very important. So, for example, the assumption that humans are individuals before they are, social yeah, yeah is a kind of axiomatic from a from a feminist perspective is a kind of axiomatically masculine assumption yeah so you have all the kind of uh famous political philosophy critiques of like social contract theory right yes, yes, yes. where 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 was that a bit where hobbes is just like and the people just spring up like yeah. mushrooms and the women are like Ooh, really do they now <laughs> um so I mean, what I'm essentially interested in is the extent to which patriarchal masculinity or Western masculinity, insofar as those are the same thing, is constructed around ideas of atomization, invulnerability, independence, like absolute sovereignty, perfect self-identity, non-interpenetration, and eternalness. Yeah. So, uh, non and, and that that is one particular metaphysical frame that we could also understand as a kind of left brainy type frame, which has uses, right? That it's not that that is an entirely incorrect or unuseful way of perceiving the world. Yeah. So the, the tendency to, for, you know, perceive things in terms of boundaries and to not understand relation and to, and to um, hypothesize things is uh, an important part of the human intellect that has many useful functions. But the problem is, is that when you take that as being the full ontology of, of things, a lot, a lot of stuff gets dropped out and a lot of stuff gets distorted. Um, because we are not particularly when we're thinking about, um, human systems, right? Because we are, we are not principally right. self-identical right. atomistic. Right. Um, we are essentially, mm, interpenetrating dependent process based temp like temporal creatures yeah. yeah and so when you're trying to manage human systems using this kind of more geometric it's kind of a platonic thing right it's like we would say if you wanted to extend it out of the original take it out of the kind of um care ethics way of thinking about it and t- more towards a continental tradition what we would say is that this is essentially like a conflict which starts around platonic metaphysics right around the idea of non-temporal eternal self yeah yeah form.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're going to get to this i mean we'll get to this probably a little bit later because i think this is probably going to be one of the places where you and i are going to come at this from a different way i mean um I think the solution to the problems that we're having now is a kind of a procedural liberalism. I probably agree with you that it's ontologically false, but I almost think it's sort of like a, the best fiction we can construct to sort of get everybody to sort of treat each other properly um, 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 in the kinds of societies we live in, given that we don't share share common notions of the good. And so, I mean, I, I will want to talk later when we talk about you know where where are we going to go with this with what's going on now about why you think a progressive is better than a liberal approach um, um, to this question. Um,
1: I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is,
0: um, we sort of need to get there because we haven't we
1: need to to get there, but let's come back, put a, put a pin in it and come back to this question about pluralistic concepts of the good, because I think it it is very important. And I, uh, I don't think the, I don't think the place that I would argue for necessarily needs to lead to Where the left is at the moment, right? Like, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have, I have as much problem as you do with people throwing milkshakes over people because
0: they, they have committed wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get, let's start talking about what the problem is. And so, uh, (laughs) now there's a question. (laughs) And also give people some, some education, some history education on this, um, because I think a lot of people don't know. Um, so first of all, I want to, I want to just get from you a sense of, 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 what we mean by sex and what we mean by gender and what has feminism's relationship to each of these traditionally been. In other words, okay. so, so that we understand how we got to where we are now and then can make, take some measure of whether where we are now has sort of gone off the rail. Right. Okay.
1: So um, obviously the second wave is quite a complicated tradition, so it gets flammed out let's say in generally broad terms, the traditional feminist understanding is that humans are sexed and that that is a material reality given by the nature of evolution and that gender is the structure by which sexed persons are socialized into the performance of certain types of social roles in which their, um, uh, their personalities and the types of personality traits that are appropriate to particular sex bodies are policed, in which their emotionality and the way in which they express themselves, the way in which they move through space. So, for example, there's lots of very important feminist work, as you all know, on bodily comportment, for example. So yes. how, how people occupy space, how they use their voices. Essentially, I would say that gender is a system which socializes male people into the performance of something that looks like full subjectivity with some amount of the emotional processing cut out and socializes women into um, essentially a form of service into placing uh, their needs Second, in, in, a, in a secondary position to meeting the needs of other people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And restricts the expression of women's subjectivity and agency. And I use the word agency advisedly, considering
0: how... Or at least it constrains it to certain spheres, right? I mean, so, okay. you know, I, I'm thinking, I'm Jewish, and so this is the sort of things I, traditions I know. The very, very orthodox, right? Right. I mean, the women are constrained in the way you describe severely right mm-hmm. but there is a weird sort of sense in which way in which within their sphere they have compl- they have they have, they have compl- complete compl- control dominance and given that the sphere includes raising children that's right. not a small that's not a small influence right i mean that's that's a that's a pretty substantial I mean, that's, those are the, that's the future population, right? Um, um. It's a, it's a question. I mean,
1: that in itself is a question though, because the, the question, this is more complicated. Yes, women have, I'd be very interested what would happen though, if those Jewish women started trying to raise children
0: and telling them. Outside the tradition,
1: right? <laughs> right. And telling them that actually they didn't need to be obedient to X, Y, and Z. And like, so, I'm not
0: suggesting it's not sexist. I'm just saying that there's a kind of weird, they're,
1: they're, they're, they women, 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 women have spheres in which they exercise large amounts of control
0: but those to, spheres are within systems that are that are broken. Those,
1: those those spheres <laughs> are within systems which which are constrained yeah. and also the extent to which those yeah that control is truly autonomous if you want to use that word um is is a question
0: it's a control that's granted by the do, by the dominant, right? It's, okay, you get to go over there and be in charge of that, right? I mean, sort of.
1: Yes, <laughs> but there's also there's also a conditionality that you are also reproducing a certain set of. There is a dis, like a discursive disciplinarity about it, right? Yeah. So if you, and also tradition in those kinds of traditional contexts, you know, certain there are certain kinds of structures, particularly around yeah around the socialization of gender roles, where if the mother then decided that she was not going to enforce patriarchal gender roles on her children, that would that would be interesting to see yeah. how that worked out. And and actually the father's the father's authority will be brought to bear on it if the woman
0: stops. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was not being I I, yeah. I just wanted to sort of say that I think it's kind of it's almost more sinister partly because it does give the pretense of sort of, oh no, these are just different spheres and we're in control over there and they're in control. Oh of
1: yeah, them. no, no, absolutely. And also the thing is as well is that women reproduce patriarchy, right? Women are, are one of the major bodies of, you know, of the reproduction of patriarchy. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's always very easy to then people go, well, women agree with this and they do that. And I'm yeah. like, oh yes, yeah. right, exactly.
0: So. So on know, sex know. and gender and the relation between them, I mean, this is very interesting because I, I think people do get a mis do have the wrong idea in the sense that it's not that 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 gender. It's not that sex has no relationship to gender in the sense that because black people say, well, sex is is biological and gender is socially constructed, and that sort of. Gives, I mean, there there are. There's interrelations. differences between males and females such that you would expect that there might be different roles right socially the thing is is that you wouldn't expect that it's going to be controlled <laughs> what those roles are is going to be controlled by one 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 of the two pair one of the two right I mean in other words you wouldn't well, and, also,
1: and, also, and, also, and, also, and also that it has certain kinds of constraints right so I mean I'm not I'm not a blank slatist, for one right. thing. So, so there are physical differences between male and female people. And, and as we know, women's reproductive capacities is, um, does mean that there are going to be certain roles that they perform. Um, the social org- what I'm interested in is the social organization around the performance of that role and also what, how that role is conceived, um, what its social and symbolic meaning is what the social organization and the structures around it are and how constraining it is to women. There's no reason that we could not organize women's child rearing in a completely different way.
0: Yeah.
1: It doesn't have to be isolating. It doesn't have to be like, you know, devalued in the way that it is. It doesn't have to um, not be recognized. I mean, the thing is, Raising children well isn't, I mean, there's this kind of huge irony, right? Is that, is that, I and mean, this comes from care ethics, right? Raising children well is one of the most, is probably the most important thing that anyone performs. Any, the, the most important work that anyone performs in not even society.
0: close. Yes. Nothing right? I do will be more important than raising my daughter. Nothing. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. And yet that work is given virtually no social recognition as real work. There's a, there's a bunch of kind of unhelpful, like romanticized, kind of images of sort of selfless sacrificial motherhood, which are not particularly helpful. Um, Or a sort of kind of bovine-y type you know thing. But in terms of what the actual work of doing that is and the and how hard it is and there's very little visibility or respect given to the skill that it takes to do that work properly. Um, And how we could organize, and how things would be organized if that work was valued yeah. properly, both um, both in terms of the normative value that it was given, and also the actual uh, the numerative value yeah. Of, yeah. as well. Right? It's like the entire the entire society is run on this like massive quantity of labour that is done by women in producing. The, the very fabric of our society, and it's just like, yeah, whatever, yeah. right?
0: And it, and it probably, you know, in a non sexist world, it's, I guess what I was trying to get at is that in a non sexist world, we probably would still be gendered. It just wouldn't be in such a way that there was just a kind of an obvious subordination of one to the other, right? In other words, well, I, mean, I think men and, yeah. males and females are different enough that we probably would socialize somewhat differently regardless of whether it was sexist or not. Right. I mean, um, um, but the way you know it's sexist now is not that it's gendered, but that it's gendered in a subordinating fashion. Is that, would that, do you think that's a fair way to, I mean, I think, I mean, in
1: my analysis, gender is a hierarchy, right? So, I'm not bothered if there are difference. I mean, I'm a different feminist, right? Essentially. So, um, the issue to me is not whether there are any differences between male and female people. The issue to me is that there is a hierarchy.
0: Yes. That's, both, that's, yes.
1: Both, both in terms of, um, the value of the roles and in terms of, um, like actual existent power relations and, 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 the the continuum of violence and how that functions. Um, it does bother me uh, there should be a, when I say I'm a gender abolitionist, which I am, what I mean is I don't want there to be any social coercion applied to sex individuals in terms of what behaviour they manifest. Yes. So so we can have a bunch of we can have a bunch of characteristics that we understand as being masculine, and a bunch of characteristics that we understand as feminine. The first thing I want is I don't want there to be any social controls about whether male-bodied people manifest masculine or feminine characteristics, and the same. And then what social roles and work they want to do. The second thing is, is I want the hierarchy abolished. So I want the cultural hierarchy in which the masculine values are considered to be superior to the feminine values abolished, and I want all. Human beings to be allowed to freely instantiate all aspects of that hierarchy as and as they want to, you know, in appropriate circumstances.
0: Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. I don't necessarily want the female. I don't want it just to be flipped, right? So, I don't want like emotion to become a value above reason. I just want us to understand that those are both important values and human and healthy human beings should manifest both of those in an appropriate relation and balance to each other. And also depending on the circumstances, because some problems are better solved with reason and some problems are better solved not, you know? Um, So that's what I mean by being, it may well be the case that in in a non-patriarchal society, women would still talk more than men. Like, That might just, that that might, it might just, women are just more linguistic and slightly more, I mean like, when I say I'm not a blank slatist, I'm prepared to accept general statements like men might be more object oriented and women might be more people oriented. Yeah. 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 That kind, that kind of stuff. But, but there's a lot of gap between that and a
0: patriarchal structure. Oh, come on. Yeah. And look, so my, mine is probably the least traditional sort of situation arrangement, right? So my wife and I married now 20 years. Um, My wife was a professional, uh, pretty high level administration in large law firms in New York City. I was a professor. We moved to Springfield, Missouri for my work Um, um, in part because she could do what she does pretty much anywhere, but I had to go where the work was, right? Right. Um, Had a child. Now, from then on, we were, were pretty much flipped in terms of what's, what you would normally expect. So I did most of the early childcare, partly because I had the flexible schedule mm-hmm. and partly because I just am better with infants than my wife. Um, <laughs> my, my wife wants more back, right? right? And very young infants, you get almost nothing, right? You get, not to mention my wife was older when we had our child. She had a very, very hard childbirth. And so the first mm-hmm. two weeks... Basically, I did everything so that she could just recover. Right. Um, I also am the shopper. I'm the cook. Um, that's probably the only reason she married me, because um, otherwise I don't think she really likes me all that much. But I cook really well, right? The point just is, though, I do all these things that are the, that are the women's role, Right. And yet there's still very clearly differences between us just based on the sex, right? You know, right. In, other, in other words, I do think that the sex is significant um what strikes me as wrong is then hierarching the the gendered the gendered part of it in other words you know we can either do the gendered part of it and the reason it is gendered is cuz in most families women are going to do most of the things that i do um what we don't have to do is say that one is subordinate to the other right. What we certainly don't have to do is force it on people and so you know i grew up with as a very young child my parents gave me the free to be you and me record right right um, which I, I'm constantly pulling out because it just blows me away how that has been completely abandoned. Right. But yeah, the yeah, message yeah, yeah. of that has been completely abandoned. And, and all the message of that was, was that people should be able to do what they like, right? Right, exactly. Um, and and, and this, <laughs> is, this, is,
1: this is the thing in, in the whole, in, I mean, that's what's kind of crazy about this current situation, right? Is that every time we see our position being rehearsed, they're like, Oh right you know they're not actually feminists because they think that men and women should like perform these traditional roles and like blah 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 and we're like no what we're saying is right is that we don't actually care what roles you perform right and 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 actually we would we want everyone to be free to fulfill whatever role they want to perform and we don't want this to be socialized right and we don't want this being policed and none of this changes your sex like that that's it Right? You know, and and, and and what's interesting is that actually what's going on with transactivism is there is no sex gender distinction, right? It's it's kind of a weird thing, like there's there's basically three positions there's the conservative position, our position, and the transactivist position. And the conservative position doesn't have a sex gender distinction, but it believes that gender follows naturally from sex.
0: Right? We have and a sex, which is half true, right? It's it's true in the sense that we just said, and that women and men, because they're biologically, physiologically, so yeah. But
1: I don't think, but I don't think that's gender.
0: They're going to sort it. differently socially, but it's the normativizing of that that's that's wrong. But
1: that's that's but what that's, that's, what, that's what I call gender.
0: Yeah. Okay. It, what,
1: okay. The other stuff we would just call personality.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I understand. Okay. You so, gender is an inherently subordinating concept it's not merely the socialization of typical sex um inclinations or dispositions because because there's no reason to socialize
1: it and to have the policing of the socialization of it if it's not related to a power structure right otherwise you just let humans sort themselves right by, pers- by personality
0: right right, right right right
1: so unless there is a a hierarchical structure with some power relation in which there is some interest enforcing people into particular instantiations then why do you socialize right why do you why do you need to train women to be service? if like women are more i mean like i say i think women probably are more people oriented than, than 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 males and i think males are probably more object oriented right we don't actually know because we don't have any we can't get outside the we can't get outside the, the patriarchy water, by right? We're all, all
0: fishes. Look, it's hard to know what the natural sorting it's, would be. Uh,
1: there is no, there's, no, there's no way we can know because we have no reference, right? There's no, out, there's no there, there. There's no outside. But, sure, that makes sense, but, yeah. But, but um, and, and human brains are so plastic, right? It's very, very hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. I, but I am prepared, like I said, I'm prepared to accept something very general, like women are more people-oriented and more linguistic, and men are more object-oriented and more spatializing right? That seems broadly something that I can buy, right? Um, and that, that was, would
0: naturally induce a social sorting. But that, would not lead, in, that would, that not would lead, that would, that would call that gender though. You're not in that would,
1: that would lead to some degree of social sorting. But once you start adding extra things to this, right? Controlling women's bodily things that happen very early, controlling women's bodily comportment, controlling the way women express their needs, punishing women for being too demanding. Um, not applying the same humans have some narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. Those narcissistic tendencies are treated very, very differently based on je- both based on the sex of children. Right. So one of the most, I mean, it's weirdly like one of the most, um, you know, when you're, I not know, but, but when you're kind of coming into feminist consciousness, women tend to normally in their thirties, which is one of the reasons we have the problems that we have as well with this situation. One of the, one of the things that I noticed around about that time that kind of really brought it home to me was I realized there was no gendered word for an overly entitled or overly demanding male child. We have, we have words for for an overly entitled or demanding child like brat. And we have, we have words for an overly demanding or entitled female child, like little madam or little princess, but we don't have a word for a male child that is like give me, give me, give me, give me. So, I, I, there's, a there's no.
0: How about douchebag?
1: Like we have, we have, but we have general. I'm we have true. like. Yeah, 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 no, we have general words, but there's not this kind of like, "oh, you little madam kind of thing. Yeah, there's, yeah, I
0: understand. There's, don't there's, be such a princess. There's nothing. Don't
1: be, su- don't be such nothing, a princess. No, there's no, no equivalent, equivalent of that.
0: that. You're there's right. no
1: male equivalent of that, right? <coughs> so there is, I mean, it's very subtle, right? But it, it, it just kind of struck me as an interesting example of the way in which female children are kind of more or less subtly, constantly reminded that, the excessive assertion of their own needs is 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 not acceptable yeah. in a way that male children are not. that is absolutely critical to me.
0: are they not in the ref- look I, I am not going to make some sort of case for uh, uh, equality in this sort of thing, but it seems to me that males and certainly in certain subcultures right so this would not be as true in New York as it would be in Mississippi, let's say right but males also from a pretty early age. Are, are, are punished for, uh, for failing to exhibit appropriately masculine.
1: Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. They're not punished for... It, but Don't cry, is, you know, if you no, cry... No no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But masculine socialization is all about that, right? So female socialization is all about um, constriction, making women not occupy space, punishing them for being too demanding, punishing them for being too assertive. right for expressing too much subjectivity, for expressing their needs too freely, freely. Male subjectivity is all about um, knocking the invulnerability, knocking the vulnerability out of them, basically, and making them perform this version of invulnerability.
0: But I course, that that's also pretty damaging, right? I mean, in other words, oh, it's very I, damaging. I don't want to make a competition. I mean, clearly the hierarchy is, is what it is. I just think, the males are getting pretty fucked by this also it seems to no, be no the males
1: the males are getting fucked by it but the point of the point of the inculcation of of invulnerability into males isn't in it produces male dominance
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah so so the men are being damaged but they are being damaged in the service of reproducing the psych- it's actually like a psychoontological at some point i'm going to write a book on this on like the psychoontology of 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 patriarchy and this is what this is essentially what it is it's the production of um narcissistic invulnerability which then produces dominance right so yes being being reshaped in order to be an agent of domination is not good for a human being but it obviously is different i mean it's damaging yeah but it's damaging in a different way to being shaped and to be an object of punishment.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, no, I agree. That's absolutely right. I mean, you know, my wife and I have talked about this and um, (coughs) I'm actually glad that, you know, I think the stereotype is that most men want to have sons, right? right? I was actually, I actually thank God that we had a daughter because I find male socialization today so distasteful. Right. That I did not, was not looking forward to having to f- spend my entire son's life fighting against right kind of toxic socialization, especially where I am in the lower Midwest, which is a very right wing kind of area. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, and so I'm, I'm not at all suggesting that this is on a par or anything. I just, I think sometimes people forget that, um, that this sort of, um, this sort of gendered socialization, we're really kind of just, spoiling everybody's development right i mean no
1: no, no i mean i mean i mean because, because 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 you have it's like we say we have um we have these very general personality traits like people orientation object orientation whatever if we, even given that yeah humans who are more object orientated are still fully emotional sensitive talk, right like they're still fully fully functioning feeling beings right and cutting i mean essentially what you do is you cut chunks you cut chunks off people and then force them to perform certain roles and that is a a violence to like for human flourishing and you know I'm, I'm i'm an aristotelian and i'm not you know i will say it is not i mean to to the political point is the second aspect which is the violence that is done to men through patriarchal socialization is not the principal concern of feminism. No, of course but, not. But, but yeah. it's very important. I mean, that's why I don't know if you've come across Michael Conroy. I mean, we have there's a, we have a number of male allies who run, who, who work with men. Right, the work that men do with other men in order to help them think through patriarchal socialization and the violence that it does to them is incredibly important, and it is incredibly important to feminism because we can't. We can't undo the system of domination on us by ourselves.
0: We had a little technical difficulty, so I had to pause the video. Um, um, uh, The the magicians at Blogging Heads will splice together, (laughs) cut out the frozen part. Um, Jane, we were talking about the way in which, let's call it, hierarchical slash dominance-oriented gender socialization um, is bad, is bad. bad for everybody. It's pretty much bad for everyone.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's bad for everyone apart from the, apart from the maintenance of the power structure. Right. And some people do benefit from maintenance. All men benefit to some degree from the maintenance of the power structure in some sense. I don't think they benefit in a long-term existential, like humanist sense. Right. Um, they benefit in so far as they gain access to certain kinds of resources in yeah. certain kinds of ways. I mean, to me, it's all about obviating. Um, it's all about obviating vulnerability.
0: I Although Jane, I, I wonder. I wonder though. Let, let me ask you this: What do you think of this? I wonder to what extent the distinctive the distinctive problems that males face are ultimately due to this very negative socialization. In other words, I'm wondering whether, yeah, we benefit, but man, do we pay? Right? I mean, you know. Whether it's the rates of violence or suicides or no, no, no absolutely, or, or, it's, or younger de- or earlier death, or I'm wondering whether, yeah, we benefit, but but boy, it's not much of a benefit in the end of the day, right? No, I mean, no. I mean, in terms of in terms high of yeah, blood pressure, you know, I mean, all this sort of thing.
1: yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's I mean, it's definitely. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, well, okay, maybe that's not true, um, but but. It's yeah, a bad obviously, deal for obviously, us, obviously, 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 my concern is with um, is with violence against women. Yes,
0: of but course. Yeah.
1: but I very deeply, and every radical feminist I know believes that patriarchy is ultimately bad for everyone. It's bad for men. It's bad for women. It's bad for children. It's bad for the planet. It's bad for everyone. Right? Like we don't have to look around. You know, everything is like, you know, the wheels are coming off. Like, we are not in a good state. We do not have a functioning political system in this country, in your country. Like, we're really, it's barely functioning, (laughs) right? Um, We're careering towards like a massive, like, you know, environmental catastrophe, which we are apparently completely powerless to do anything about. We, nobody seems to understand how our economies function anymore. Um, we have like massive unemployment. We have huge mental health problems. Like we are; These are not healthy societies, right? There are some extremely powerful and good aspects of, of where we are, but there is a lot of problems. I mean, if we talk about what is going on with the current situation and the, the current generation, there is a lot of mental distress that is being fed into this particular cocktail, right? Like if you talk to I a mean, new working at university, um, people I know who work in universities now are kind of horrified by the by the by the mental health of the students. Like, you know, they've they've all got anxiety, depression disorders. Like, like a society which has produced a, a a a generation that has that kind of level of mental health at the age of eighteen, nineteen is not is not healthy in some fundamental respect.
0: Oh, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Um, and if you ask me what the problem is, I'm going to tell you patriarchy, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. neoliberal capitalism, but neoliberal capitalism is to some extent an accentuation of certain kind of characteristics of patriarchy, atomism, hierarchy, dominance, competition, yeah. profit over human flourishing, like uh, accumulation over like meaningful labor, like all of these things, right? So um, yes, I, ultimately, I became a feminist through, it, through an intellectual route, right? So I became a feminist because I wanted to know why the world was so screwed up. And feminist philosophy gave me the best answer. Yeah. And then I moved. So I've kind of had an interesting trajectory in that I went through a very kind of abstract route into feminism. And then I've kind of gone down. And now I'm at a more kind of grassroots level, um, but, but I'm kind of working between them. Yeah. I, yes, I want to get rid of this system because I believe in the liberation of women, but I want to get rid of this system because I truly believe that we're in a really terrible, terrible situation, and that actually the fundamental assumptions of patriarchy and male socialization are the cause.
0: Yeah, I... I- you know, I. Several people, many people, ask me about sort of what my relationship to all of this is, and and you know, I'm not. I don't know. I find men walking around calling themselves feminists a bit creepy. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I know. We agree with you. Maybe it's the specific people that are doing it. Um, if when people ask me my interest in it, my answer is twofold. One level, I'm reacting to current things that are going on that are affecting people I know and care about. But at a deeper level, I just, I can't escape this notion that we're all in this together in the sense that we all need each other, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we need each other just for the bare minimal of reproducing. Right. Uh, we also need each other to have a healthy social environment. Right. Um, um, you know, one of the reasons why the free to be you and me resonated with me so much as a young child was it really did speak to the sense in which we're sort of all together. I mean, it, it somehow managed to be feminist and uncompromisingly so, while at the same time understanding that um, we all need each—boys and girls, men and women—need each other, and, right. and 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 um, um, that um, and and this and this is this is the fundamental problem. We right? all have brothers and sisters, fathers, mothers. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like how can I not care about women? Right. Given that I have a mother, a wife, and a daughter, how can I not care about women, right? That's just it's, mad, a, it's, right?
1: It's, it's, it's a question. And that's, and that's what's so scary about what's going on, right? Is, the, <laughs> is, the, is I mean, it's why there's a lot of radicalization going on among women. Because they're just like, I mean, it's actually terrifying that apparently um, we can have a, a massive political movement that is attempting to abolish female people as a political class. And yeah. like... Female people start kind of kicking up a fuss, and like a lot of people just go, Yeah, what ifs?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: you so know, let's get, to, um, let's,
0: let's get to that though. I mean, so let's let's now talk about we've been dancing around this issue, so let's get right to it. <laughs> so, look, we had the gay rights movement, right? So, we had lesbian and gay, all right, right? And I think we all understand what we understood what that meant. It meant people who were same sex attracted and who whose who's romantic lives were same-sex involved, right? That's once, once upon a time, that is what that means. <laughs> right. This went through a, a series of iterations. First, the decriminalization of homosexual uh, activity, then greater, less and less discrimination in places like workplace and so on, and finally, mm-hmm. crowningly, uh, gay marriage, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's this... At what point... And why did the T get added to the, L, to the L and the G and the B? In other words, L, G, and B are sexual orientations. Right. Uh, transgenderism, transsexualism, whatever you want to just call them, are not sexual orientations. They're something right. else. Why, first of all, why did they get added to the LGB? And well, what then, is they're, the they're, consequence of now of their having been added to the LGB?
1: Okay, so good question. So there is one, there is a couple of important continuities. So first of all, I'll talk about the way in which they're similar and then I'll talk about how they're different. Please. So um, there are a couple of significant continuities between uh, LGB and T, both of which are to do with falling foul of certain kinds of patriarchal gender structure of
0: gendered expectations of
1: gendered of gendered expectations of behavior based on patriarchal masculinity and femininity so so as a feminist my argument would be that the oppression of gender non-conforming people of all types is an adjunct of patriarchy right so patriarchy um has as we've discussed this this actually very rigid policing structure around Gendered behaviour, and then various people of various types fall foul of that. So feminist women, for one, very often homosexuals, because um, part of well heteronormativity is part of the structure of gendered. Of course,
0: yeah, of course, that's that's at the centre of the. the that's, a, that's, a, that's, of that's 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 I that's that we're that. going to be straight. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah. that's
1: that, yeah. and that also that within that, because essentially. Um, within homosexual relations you have i mean a lot of it's male homosexuality particularly is problematic because it involves like the feminizer like the perceived feminization of males right which there's a very well even
0: some of the some of the subcultures don't do that it seems to me no
1: no 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 yeah. but no and, and 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 i'm not saying it's a necessary feature of homosexuality i'm just saying it's a very big part of the what's going on conceptually in terms yeah, of the against, yeah. against homosexuality and a lot of that is actually to do with the metaphysics of penetration and stuff. And I
0: can yeah, sure.
1: I talk about that at length because I've done a lot of work on the ontology of that. Um, it's all very interesting stuff. Um, so there's that going on. So I don't think heteronormativity is a system of oppression in itself. This is one place that I would depart from queer theory. But I think it is a very central structure of patriarchal, of patriarchal oppression. So in that, both gay people and trans people fall foul of patriarchal gender expectations and are therefore discriminated against within within that general structure. And that's one reason, I think, why there is some natural sympathy and why there is some degree of... I mean, according well, to that well, logic...
0: Well, hold on one second. More, more natural sympathy than just a general sympathy within a a broad civil rights umbrella in other words more natural sympathy let's say between the the t and the lgb than let's say the lgb and let's say the the black civil rights movement or or yes
1: because 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 the black civil rights movement is not anti-patriarchal necessarily i mean right it should be i understand yeah uh, it should be i would argue but the black civil rights movement i mean this is why this is you know one of the you know the the classic insights of intersectionality, right? Is that the dominant group will always take over. So black civil rights is, is traditionally run by black men.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not, it's not very good. At resisting sexism. <laughs> yeah.
0: so that's part of that. Um, part of that is contingent, right? It's because it comes out of the black church to a great degree, right? I mean,
1: well, it's just because it's run by men and so, and any and any well, but the liberal, church is any, a
0: patriarchal institution. I mean, I guess the church,
1: was, is, the church, the church is a patriarchal institution. Yeah. But left wing, but left wing organizing, non you know, secular left wing organizing it's also is also
0: male led. Is also
1: male led and not particularly good at sexism either. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right.
1: I mean, that's one of the reasons. That's that's the reason why men can't be feminists. The reason why we are fairly insistent that men have to be either pro-feminist or feminist allies or something like that, is that as soon as you let men be feminists and organise around feminism, they denude feminism of the critique of male dominance.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, so... Hence all the the bearded woke bros. Hence all the woke bros Who are telling women now what being a feminist is, which is just always... No,
1: because because they've waited for it. I mean, this is a real experience. This is is why Butler is like the great Trojan horse, right? Because you then produce this feminism that allows men to tell women that um, they're better feminists than we are. Um, We're like, thanks, Judy.
0: Top work. So what's the discontinuity between the T and the LGB? You just explained the continuity. What's the discontinuity?
1: Um, the discontinuity is, well, there's one other thing I should say before we go onto that. We'll go on to yeah, the discontinuity. Of course, of course. There's one other historical reason, right, which you alluded to about why the T has been added to the LGB. It's because the LGB legislative agenda was achieved.
0: So they saw, they tried to the jump on board what looked like a winning train.
1: Well, they, they, they were, they, 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 did, they didn't have a portfolio. We have large and you know large lobby political lobbying organizations have their own survival instincts, Stonewall and the you know the equality network or whoever the people are who who were responsible for pushing the um, uh, the legal the formal equality agenda for the LGb community they they re- they'd reached the last stop right that their legislative slate was done so they they you've got a large organisation, what are you going to do? You're going to go, we're going to get rid of these offices and these roles and we're all going to make ourselves unemployed and blah, blah, blah. Oh, look, here is a new civil rights cause that you can take up that is roughly adjacent to ours and we will just ignore the fact that actually it involves like the ontological impossibility of the recognition of same-sex attraction. But hey, who cares? <laughs> um, so I think that's actually a historical reason, right? Stonewall... And, and this happened, the big push for this happened after same-sex marriage. Yeah. And then suddenly we have an, a very highly respected and at this point well-oiled and well-funded gay rights lobbying infrastructure that suddenly takes up trans rights and is in a very strong position because they have a massive amount of country, uh, cultural capital. But Stonewall has a huge quantity of right, capital. Right,
0: right, right.
1: So they can run around and they can tell everybody, blah blah blah. This is the correct thing to think, and blah blah blah. And the Equalities Act is this, and blah blah blah. And don't listen to those evil witches over there. And if one goes, so, oh, well, Stonewall, Stonewall, like Stonewall are the good guys.
0: So let me ask you one more thing about the the tea um, before we oh, I'm to
1: talk about the discontinuity. But before, we we the ne- before we
0: move to the next, before we move to the next part of this, and that is. Um, Look, it strikes me that feminism is inherently gender non-conforming, right? I mean, that's the... Correct. That, in other words, that's the whole point. I mean, of the whole point of the free, free to be you and me is that it opposes mandatory gender conformity, right? Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. So, so it seems to me that the only part of the T that really is distinct that that you would dis, that you would really that would differentiate it right is that um, a it doesn't speak to sexual orientation but b um in the area of sort of gender dysphoric in the sense of transsexualism right so so in, in other words i don't see how all the non bond non-binary and all that sort of stuff is in any way really differentiatable away at least as an ethos from norm ordinary feminism, it's all nonconforming, right? I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's The only except. thing that strikes me as distinctive is the specific element of transsexualism, which was at least historically tied to a diagnosis of some of, of of I guess it was dissociation first, and now it's dysphoria. And so, what I'm wondering is whether there are really two T's, right? There's one T that sort of really is just no different from what feminism has been saying now since the 1950s right um and that no, is that but, it, but, it, but it
1: but it is different because they don't have a sex gender distinction so so they are trying to articulate so the non-binary thing i mean this is why we're in such a kind of conflict right because we keep having this argument you know that like everybody decided like or, or a lot of people on our side did that whole like we're gender free thing a while ago and then like the 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 trans the tra's got really upset about it and they're like you can't be because we've been walking around for ages going, we don't have gender identities, we're gender non-conforming. Right. I mean, nothing that, that, it, nothing it, you're it, saying, nothing that you have given me. Once you get rid of gender dysphoria, right, as a diagnostic criteria, nothing you're saying about transness can, you, there is nothing in your definition that can distinguish a gender non-conforming person from a trans
0: person. Right. right? That's why, that's why it seems to me there was never really a, a conflict between feminism and let's call it traditional transsexualism. Right. Um, it's now that it's sort of happening and it's because it seems to me the main focus now is on the non-binary fluid queer stuff, which strikes me as simply being the same as any, as expressing the same ethos as any non-gender conforming ethos would be. It
1: would, it would do if it wasn't for the sex denialism. It's Mm. the sex denialism that makes the difference because the difference between a non-binary person and a gender non-conforming person. So, so the, so feminists, so we've been saying to the non-binary people, we're, we're all non-binary, this is stupid, right? We're all, we're all feminists, like any one of us could wake up tomorrow and decide that we're non-binary, right? The reason why we won't do that is because, because we think it's conservative. We think it's conservative to think that non-binariness is a special phenomenon, exactly. other, other than just being gender non-conforming, right. which is what we think most humans are because gender's kind of bullshit, right? So, what you're doing, this is why we think it's conservative, right? Because as soon as you take the special gender non-conforming people out and you put them in their own box and you say they're a special class of person, what you're saying is everyone that's left in the other box is gender conforming.
0: That what's normal is gender conforming. And
1: and then you're actually re-inscribing right.
0: gender conformity. right?
1: And at yeah. the same time, you're claiming that being gender nonconforming conforming changes your sex, which is bullshit. Right. So... So um, you're firstly shoring up patriarchal gender by wanting to put yourself in a special position. You're secondly making an ontologically absurd claim about the fact that being gender non-conforming has some effect on your sex being, which it doesn't, um, which is created by the confusion of the relationship between um, sex and gender. And then you start asking things for like the Scottish censors to put you in the sex box as a non-binary person right so then we're gonna it's gonna mess up all the demographic data um and the thing that really bothers me right is that actually from a feminist perspective it looks like a hell of a lot of internalized misogyny um because one of the problems in a patriarchal system as we know is that males are default humans and females are less than full humans Right? In some significant respects, because a lot of the values that are attributed to female are the lesser values which are considered to be less, less characteristic of full humanity. Right? So, when, particularly young women, I feel, like, are like, oh, I don't like, I'm not a woman, I don't incarnate that stupid feminine stuff, I'm a full human, is that what effectively you're doing is you're leaving women in the subhuman box and claiming humanity for yourself by, by uh, trying to identify out of it. Yeah. And it's and, one,
0: it's one and thing that's,
1: that's, and that's, and that's very anti feminist
0: Yeah. It's that's one thing very, to say, you know, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a plumber. <laughs> And I'm a woman, right? And another right. thing to say, and that doesn't stop me from being a woman. It's nothing to say. Well, I'm a plumber, so therefore I'm non-binary, right? Right, that, exactly. That, that, that then, that means that woman is
1: less is, anti, is, society, antithet- is antithetical. Box, right? right, exactly, exactly. So exactly. as soon as I instantiate any of these like human non-feminine characteristics, I thereby I'm am. Now. I'm non-binary now. Right. Which just
0: reify just just reassert, reasserts the, the 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 exactly the second, right, absolutely, right. absolutely, right. and that's, that's
1: why what that's what I really object to, right? How I mean, do people want, not
0: see this? It's so. Funny. I
1: don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. We keep having this conversation. I mean, like, as you know, I'm like a big Prince fan, right? And so the first time I gave a paper on Prince at an academic conference, I um. I was giving a paper on um, his guitar playing and the way in which it's like a performance of like female female sexual pleasure. And so they put me in a pa- in, in the panel with someone that was claiming that he was trans because they can't tell the difference anymore between somebody saying, Here is a male person performing identification with like female phenomenological experience. Isn't that rad? And and therefore this person isn't male. Someone and actually said that Prince was trans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They trans Prince like two
0: days after he died. What the fuck? You know what's yeah. so funny about that? So, I mean, I, I'm i older than you. Right. So I actually was, you know, it was my adolescence when all that music was coming out. Right. And I'll tell you exactly how I perceive Prince and how I think most of my cohort perceive Prince. We actually thought he was very masculine. He is very masculine. But... but what was interesting about him was that he was masculine in a, in a very different kind of way, right? You know what I mean? And that was sort of struck me. He almost sh- showed you that masculinity had a lot more uh, uh, had a lot more plasticity in it, right? right. Um, but I never right. once thought he was gay. I never once thought he was. There's so-
1: nothing. I mean, there's nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is what I find interesting about Prince, right? In in terms of a model of gender nonconformity. He is very masculine. He is also quite feminine, but the feminine, but the femininity doesn't do, it's not effeminate, right? It's not an absence, it's not a a performance of femininity which is an absence of masculinity. That's right. That's why women fancy him so much, right? Because he's incredibly masculine and very feminine at the same time, and that's very powerful, right? And a lot of men are like, what are we, what's he doing? We don't understand. And we're like, he's being very masculine and very feminine simultaneously. It's really hot try it
0: um and ridiculously and, talented
1: and also the, the being ridiculously talented and beautiful also helps um, but, but like there's nothing like non-male about prince like he's no. very male <laughs> like and and i also did, he, he would I mean, like, get down like, to he was, the
0: hairy chest the bare hairy chest I mean,
1: yeah, I was, like, that, that. seriously i mean like the, <laughs> the guy pumped weights right i mean he was like buff as hell um I mean, it's like, no, I mean, seriously, they showed a picture of him, you know, in one of the, one of the kind of purple rain era outfits. There's one of these, it's a kind of birthday show, actually. And he's wearing like kind of a little chiffon-y sort of top thing. It's very feminine and he's got his shoulders out, right? But he, he's playing the guitar. He looks very masculine as always. And they put this up and they're like, look, you see? And like, basically the woman was like, um, sorry, they were a non-binary person <laughs> um was like um oh we we're claiming him and we were and we were like and we were like you could you, you could hear every straight woman in the room like silently exhaling like back off <laughs> like, yeah. you're not having him <laughs> um but also this was it, i thought it was so interesting like in this whole discourse of like appropriation all of this stuff that's going on then suddenly you're just like oh this person's been dead for like a few months now and now you're going to like retroactively transfer and then you're just going to be like, we're claiming him. He belongs
0: to us. It reminds me of how the Mormons do uh, do uh, posthumous <laughs> conversions, right? Exactly, exactly. It's exactly. something really but, creepy about it. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's
1: really, really, really creepy and none of us were able, again, because of the thought control, this person stood up, they gave no evidence, right? There was this kind of cobbled together paper about... You know, something to do with the fact that there were a bunch of drag queens in like Minneapolis, like in the early eighties, and like Prince was probably friends with
0: them. But drag queens
1: aren't trans either. No, I know, I know, (laughs) I know. I mean, just gonna be like, how many times do we need to say Martha P. Johnson was a drag queen? Right, putting up statues in New York now to the trans women that started the Stonewall riots when they were not trans, and they they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't even start the Stonewall riots. Marsha was like, I wasn't even there. I got there like 20 minutes later. Like, so. Oh gosh. Oh
0: God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but how, but I mean, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the, you know, the discontinuity, it's actually very different. It's a very different set of phenomena, right? Gay. And the thing is, is that the discourse, I wrote a piece on this. I have a piece on my blog on this. It's called, uh, like gay rights and trans rights, a so compare and contrast, you know, cause I was brought up, You know, I'm bisexual. I was brought up around gay people. Like, the idea that I would end up, like, on the wrong side of history is, like, it's crazy to
0: me. It's bizarre. It's really
1: bizarre. Like, I'm a, you know, I'm a left-wing, radical feminist. And people are
0: calling you a fascist.
1: Bisexual, like, and then suddenly I'm a fascist, right? (laughs) Because I believe that female people exist and have political interests.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right,
1: that's it. And I refuse to allow something that looks an awful lot to me like a capitalist neoliberal political domination machine from like, yeah. like, no, I'm sorry. I didn't do all this training just to roll over.
0: Yeah. because you know, I, did, I did a dialogue with Brian Leiter. Um, who's a Marxist, oh, really? who's a Marxist right? right? One of the things I wanted to get out, out of him um. um and maybe I I'm, I'm to, want to get this out of you too before we, before we end, because I, I, th- I suspect you and I could probably talk for four hours. Um, is, <laughs> Holly will I, be pleased. I wanted him to explain, in as clear a term as possible, why identity politics is actually not left-wing, right? Um, and, and that, and the, in the sense that it's, 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 there's a, t- a very major tension be- between it and traditional Marxist um, um, uh, uh, leftist. It's not Because it's not class analysis. Well, not just that, but he 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 argues ultimately that that identity that identity politics ultimately is neoliberal, right? I mean, um, that, I I agree, and 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 depends upon capitalism, right? Um, um, and that strikes me as probably right. I mean, I myself said that I thought that uh, the identitarianism is a kind of a deformation of liberalism. It's a radicalization and a deformation of liberalism, um, um, um and, and so you know, one of the things I was hoping that you would talk about maybe a little bit is from, from a progress. What, what, about this is, is not progressive, right? Um, because they've, they've certainly captured the progressive banner, right? And I think in the, in the public eye are mostly perceived. If you ask people today, what is a progressive, they would point at those people. Right. Uh, um, and so, um, you know, why
1: is it, why is it not progressive?
0: Yeah, I've, I've, you well, are a progressive, I, and so I'm interested to know.
1: I, 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 I am. I am a progressive. what is not
0: what's, progressive? What's,
1: what's What's interesting is that so much of the um, of the kind of discursive tropes that they're using come from the traditions of analysis that I agree with, right? You know, I agree with the analysis of privilege. I agree with these types of things. What is a not progressive? Firstly, as we've talked about, it's um, its gender politics is deeply conservative so
0: that because it, re, it because it reasserts
1: because it because re, it reinforces it reinforces the Socialism. relationship well yeah not so even that it reinforces the socialization there was there was a quote from everyday feminism right which i I uh, came across the other day because I was going through this stuff with did my You can actually
0: bring yourself to read that. I'm no,
1: no, 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 I don't. I was doing I was doing the final seminar with my students and the exercise that we had that I asked them to do was to go away and find a recent article which had some kind of characterization of second wave feminism in it that they thought was kind of interesting or distorted or whatever. So someone brought in an article from, from everyday feminism and we were talking about it and there was actually kind of a statement in it where it was basically like the problem is not the gender binary. The problem is that only certain people are allowed to perform certain roles in the gender binary. So basically there's no desire anymore to challenge the system, there's no actual analysis of domination. There's no analysis of the mechanism of domination. There's no real analysis of how one as a class would resist the mechanism of domination. All there is is you as an individual could be in a different position in the hierarchy and that will just like fuck it up a bit. And like, that's super rad
0: basically, but there's no, but it even in that, it maintains the traditional patriarchal gender social distribution. And yeah, it I, just, it just, it I just, it says just. Anybody can call, can put themselves into those boxes, right? Right. Basically, all um, or, or
1: we and we can make like a few more boxes if you want. But what it doesn't do, and this is the fundamental reason, what it doesn't do, what and, and what the whole problem is with third wave intersectional feminism is, is there is no analysis or challenge of male dominance. It's not progressive because it doesn't have an analysis of domination and it actually makes the analysis of domination unsayable, right? I keep running around on Twitter being like, what is your theory of patriarchy? And I can't get an answer. They don't have a theory of patriarchy.
0: Could you be explicit as to why it renders it unsayable, the, the, the story about the feminist, or let's just call it the progressive story about domination? Why does it render it unsayable? Could you just expl- say it explicitly?
1: And this is true of Marxism and also of feminism, yeah, because what we're going to say is that underneath all of this is material appropriation, right? And that's how feminism is linked to capitalism, is also linked to some extent to racism and also to environmental degradation, right? Is that the fundamental structure is about material appropriation and exploitation and the mechanisms which prioritize certain people's needs and place other people in positions of service. And um, you have to have some account, right, of what motivates the power structure. Like why, like qui bono, right? One of the biggest problems with trans ideology, as far as I'm concerned, is that it 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 makes it impossible for us to talk about the way in which patriarchy exists because of the degree, because of the appropriation of women's like reproductive labor and also women are positioned as a kind of reproductive and sexual resource and also as a domestic resource and also as an emotional resource. Um and that's a big part of the of the traditional feminist explanation of, for, for why women are oppressed. And that's also how you know um feminist analysis is connected to to Marxist analysis, to critiques of capitalism, also to critiques of of the uh, like the appropriation of labor of non-white people and also the appropriation of the environment so so in this respect capitalist um, feminist analysis is interconnected with the analysis of all other forms of domination if you can't talk about material appropriation i don't think you can give an effective account of of the existence of domination trans ideology has no theory for The existence of domination it's just like a random bunch of like signifiers that seem to exist for apparently no reason and apparently to nobody's benefit and all we have to do is just like you know mess them up a little bit and and somehow everyone will be free um and and the solutions are completely individualistic there's no class-based solutions there's no attempt to, to, to challenge the power structure at any kind of fundamental level all you do is you allow any particular individual to perform their gender differently or to express themselves differently and then somehow the the entire structure of domination just magically comes apart like a I don't know like a parcel or something.
0: Yeah. Do they even really talk about that? I mean, the vibe I off I mostly get not, like, not really. is of a, 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 a kind of a radical individualism is what I get from right. It,
1: right. Right. But they like to but they but the thing is they like to it's all dressed up at the same time with these kind of like little you know bits of of discourse that are stolen from progressive, so you know they supposedly think they're anti neoliberal they supposedly think that you know um they're about um you know yes, like resisting the hierarchy they think you know uh all of the you know there's a they they use a kind of privilege you know, algorithm in order to try and like justify their behavior. There's this attempt to claim, for example, that everybody who opposes them does so because they are agents of the power structure. Right. So we're always being posited as being like white middle-class status quo, like characters as if like radical feminism was the like white patriarchal yeah. hegemony. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, insane, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So they yes, They've got this discursive structure, which a lot of them seem to have adopted, that makes them think that they are part of some radical counterculture which is operating against the interests of the power structure. They seem to not understand that they're being sponsored by large pharmaceutical companies and banks and governments and the police force. And in the case of Great Britain, GCHQ. I'm like, oh, since when was this? like Spymasters General for the Revolution? I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, this doesn't wash, right?
0: Yeah, they're the most institutionally juiced-in, marginalized people I've ever seen, right? I mean,
1: ever seen? What I mean, kind of mar- I mean, most marginalized in people UK, in the world? That-
0: yeah, in the, in the UK, the police actually. Yeah, the police no, go and go after people.
1: No, I know, and this is the this is from the people who've been screaming at, at, <laughs> at, at anti-rape activists <clears> for <throat> being carceral feminists for the last five years. Oh no, no, no. You can't possibly like lock up rapists because you're like feeding the industrial or complex. You bunch of evil white feminists, but Oh no, that's fine. We're just going to send like, you know, West Yorkshire police around to your house to make sure you haven't committed a thought crime.
0: Like, yeah, that, the, the, that's, you know, that's an entirely separate what's happening in Britain in terms of the, the increasing use of the police in this regard strikes me as an entirely separate topic worthy of discussion. It's it's incredible to me as a traditional liberal, it's incredible to me that Britain, the birthplace of traditional liberalism is now sending the police to people's houses for tweets, right? For, for things that they've tweeted, right? I mean, um, um, I do. I do also think the fact that
1: that part of British tradition is one of the reasons why we're resisting, though like, harder. I mean, you know, like when Sophie Lewis, right? You know, you're right. You are resisting why, harder. Why? Why? Why are the British such a bunch of evil turfs? And I'm like, because we're really, really unfond of totalitarianism. And, yeah. Like you look like a bunch of fascists to us.
0: Yeah. There's right? a streak of Orwell in what you guys are doing, definitely. I mean, and I, there's
1: there's a streak of like we've never we've never we don't like bully boys. We don't like people bullying people. And so yeah. I mean, like. I'm a progressive, but I'm also an anti... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a liberal in a classical sense, but I'm quite deeply anti-authoritarian. and um, I think that's where we're kind of really aligned with this. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, I think these sorts I mean, of coalitions are really important, um, especially as now the left seems insistent upon eating itself or gauging in sort of circular firing squad behaviour I think it's important uh, that people it's, it's, like us can make common cause um, oh no
1: it's very it's very it's very scary to me like anti uh, like you know anti anti fascist fascism is scary to me yeah, like that yeah. the the left has abandoned all pretence that you know they can't go around acting like you know divine justice like as soon as as soon as as soon as groups of humans of any political persuasion start thinking they're divine justice, you're in, you're in serious trouble. Like there is a reason, you know, I'm a progressive. I'm a progressive because I have, um, yeah, a fairly long-standing, deep, well-worked out critique of like structural inequality. And I think liberalism is not adequate to deal with that in significant ways, but I'm not anti-liberal in so far as I am like, you know, there are certain democratic civil procedures that I think it's quite important for us to abide by, you know, and maybe that's why I don't get to achieve my political project because I'm not about to go and put everyone up against a wall, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, I'm going to try and do it by persuasion. So
0: um, let me ask in the last, in the last, so. I, we're we're getting towards along being a bit long so let me let me i want the last thing i wanted to get to in terms of and i'm hoping that you and i will talk again that this won't be the okay. last one sure. um, because there's a lot of other things i'd like to pursue with you um including maybe just a discussion about continental and uh, continental and analytic philosophy oh,
1: that would be interesting be really interesting yeah let's see yeah let's let's see that yeah
0: um but um I guess I want to ask you to tell me what's, why I'm wrong or or why, or at least what is wrong with my view that the best solution to the situation we're in right now is, is to insist upon a kind of million liberalism, right? In other words, here's what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is the progressive movement in a sense, eating itself and getting itself to a point to where it's become unresolvable. So, you call them misogynists, they call you transphobes, right? You claim they have privilege, they claim you have privilege, right? There's this kind of because of the way that the progressive sort of the, the sort of the, the tactical um um how shall I say the tactical uh uh palette of the progressive movement seems to work. It seems to me like you guys can simply stand there all day for the rest of your lives accusing each other of having privilege and then trying to see who, who is going to be able to persuade the larger part of the public that the other part has privilege. It seems to me that at least a sort of a purely procedural liberalism, you just kind of avoid all of this, right? What you say is look, individual people in liberal democracies have autonomy and prerogative to the point that the harm principle is engaged. And the harm principle is defined strictly, and in in not in this anything you want to call harm is harm. Harm means publicly observable, quantifiable, demonstrable injury, right? And beyond that, people may damn well do as they please. Now, why does that not simply solve all the problems? And not because, give...
1: Because... Um I actually believe that. Because, because, right. because one of the one of the reasons why we're in the state that we're in at the moment is because the state is not actually performing a function whereby its principal uh role is the common good. I think that's why we're in such a catastrophic state. Um I mean I'm actually an Aristotelian, right, in this in this respect. Right. Insofar as I'm a Marxist, I'm a kind of ethical, the kind of Aristotelian ethical part of Marxist, the bit that I'm. I mean, the function of the polity is to maintain the good, and the good is the flourishing of the citizens.
0: So. What do you do when there's no commonly accepted conception of the I mean, the problem. Well, no, what
1: you, what, you do, what you do is you have. You, you direct your political efforts towards working out. Um, and I'm not saying we're going to get a definitive one, but we could do a damn sight better at working out what a decent idea of human flourishing looks like. And um, because then you end up, because you end up privileging negative freedom over positive freedom, you end up in a situation where actually the negative freedom of, and thereby the flourishing of certain people is privileged over that of others. Like in the case, in the case, in the case, like this isn't happening in Sweden, right? At the moment, it's not actually happening in the places where they still have fully functioning social democracies. What's the it? Um, This kind of descent into like this insanity on the left.
0: Oh, so this is not happening in Scandinavia?
1: No, they've got some issues. They've got some issues about uh, race, right? So they have. No, but
0: they're they're not having these gender wars in Scandinavia. no,
1: No. No, I'm not in Holland.
0: That's very interesting.
1: It's basically the Angersmith.
0: What I was going to say to you was, when I, the reason I refer to it as a purely procedural liberalism is because I agree with you about the metaphysics, right? Um, right. So to me, the liberalism is a practical solution to large heterogeneous societies, right? In other, in other words, you adopt a kind of procedural Rawlsianism because you just simply don't find it realistic to expect that people are going to converge sufficiently on a common conception of the good. And so what you do instead is you sort of allow people to pursue the good as they see fit within their communities of the like-minded and so on and so forth with a very minimalistic harm principle constraining it.
1: So how do you, how do you regulate, (laughs) how do you regulate global capitalism within that model?
0: how do you regulate global, global capitalism?
1: Yeah. By what basis do we justify controlling the profits that are being made? For example,
0: look, I do. Th- I, th- I would argue that the,
1: I would argue. I don't I, don't, I don't, I think we need, a th- I mean, this is what I describe with Nussbaum, right? When Nussbaum, I really like Nussbaum's early work. I, I think we need quite a thick conception of the good. And I think I agree with you, but I don't understand on what basis we can critique and resist certain forms of behavior that are harm. You either need a good concept of human flourishing you, uh, or, or a thicker concept of the good, or you need a more substantive harm principle.
0: Okay, so, and I, th- okay I get where you're going. So you're saying, look, the problem is that um, you can't adequately define harm without a without, without, a, without
1: a thicker conception of the good okay right? yeah, you need to, i understand you need to be able to say um human beings not having access to meaningful labor is a certain kind of harm or you know talking about if we're talking I about understand. the mental if you're talking about the mental health problems that we have in this generation yeah. right we need to be able to have an account of why the society that we have now is producing this kind of mental distress yeah yeah and and, and i one of the most a friend of mine, at stony Brook, did really interesting work on like developing a concept, like a philosophically rigorous concept of health. Um, I think we need to do that. I think we need to go back to this kind of Aristotelian idea and actually start working out a more rigorous notion of human flourishing.
0: Let me ask um, you one more thing. But let me before before you get too far past on the thing about harm, right? Because I actually think that's a really interesting point, and I don't think I've ever seen it quite framed that way. Um, um, that actually. The real problem with liberalism is the difficulty in actually articulating the harm principle in a way right, that's exactly that's that's not too narrow and not too broad, right? Um, 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 but let me ask you then, along those lines specifically, could we not, in a sense, say that? Listen, at one level, the way to solve these problems, and what I'm talking about is the the these these gen, the the current fights we're having between mm-hmm. gender ID people, all these sorts of problems. Um, um, with the procedural liberalism that's sort of applied at the level of individuals, right? Right. While understanding that that's not going to be exactly the same l- logic that governs the, the behavior of large institutions or governments, or in other words, that, that, that's, that, that, that we're going to, we're going to differentiate how we address questions of how in people should deal with each other in an inter- interpersonal way within the society and how, let's say, a central bank should operate, right? Or how I... Or, in, in other words, I don't No,
1: no, why. no, no, I Yeah, no, I mean, no. I mean, I think I agree, right? And I think I actually agree that procedural liberalism is a fairly decent, like, rubric for how we should engage with each other at an interpersonal level in a democratic society, right? I am not in the business of individual like i said i mean i would frame this in a more kind of continental way but i'm not in the business of individuals arrogating themselves the rights of divine justice which is what is going on right now um and anybody who is so certain of their moral righteousness that they think they have the right to do that i would say is de facto not right because because as soon as you think that you are an instrument of justice in and of yourself, you are um, veering towards sociopathy <laughs> and probably should not be doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm quite happy with procedural liberalism on an interpersonal level. I'm talking about, all I'm saying is, is that I think some of a lot of the fabric, social fabric decay and the chaos that we are seeing is because at a macro level we do not have thicker concepts of the good by which political institutions can regulate the behavior of corporations particularly in the in the interest in the interest of the good right because corporations are driven by profit they do not funk like Capitalism is an entirely amoral system. If you do not want it to rip up your social fabric and yeah. cause all kinds of social problems, you have to regulate it, yeah. and you yeah. have to regulate it right. in the interests of right. in in the interests of, of the common good. And, and yeah. without a concept of the common good, I don't see how we can do that. And that's why we're in this position.
0: No, right. you're absolutely right. Look, if liberalism is not simply going to be laissez-faire, which right. we, which I think any thinking person at this point has to know cannot be right yeah, yeah. Um, then it must at the macro level as you're calling it involve regulation mm, but yeah. that then then begs the question with respect to what conception of the good right right which
1: and that's and that's and, that's, and, that's, and that's 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 the, that's the work and i actually you know i don't know i mean philosophy has kind of given up on that work and i think we need to go back to it
0: no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Jane, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that we should stop because... Good idea. We'll ...go on forever. Yes. It, because it be I'd it. like to have future conversations with you and on okay. some of these other topics.
1: Um, I would very much enjoy that. I've, I've um, had a great time.
0: Um, and I thank you so much. And uh, Thank you, Daniel. I can't say how happy I am that I kind of stumbled into this because I've met some really remarkable people. And, um, um, and you're, and you're one of the people that I really found really interesting. Uh, I'm going to tell people also that this didn't come up, but you could probably tell that uh, Jane is very, can be very funny. And some, <laughs> of her, some of her writing is really, really hilarious. And so I really do recommend, it's going to be in the links below, but I really recommend that people read some of the stuff she's written because, um, besides being very intellectually rigorous, you were very funny.
1: <laughs> it's another. It's another. It's, it's another reason why I decided I'd be best off. I'd be best off making my way outside. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like the phil. I'm like the philosophical Joker. Right.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, take care, and um I Thank hope to see much. you soon. All right. Okay.
1: It's been. A, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Daniel.
0: Thank Before you go, a quick message from the Suits at Meaning of Life TV. Meaning of Life
1: will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Meaning of Life programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course,
0: we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.